pause. Yeah, press on pause, and we're live. Go. Welcome to the Nugget episode five. My name is Philip Linfield. This is a short form history podcast about random events in history. This week, I'm joined by a wonderful, illustrious guest, guest Anthony Giles. Hello. Good diction, Phil. I like it. Well, I'm trying my best, man. You know, I, I might slip up occasionally. <laughs> All right, so let's not muck about. We'll get straight into it with Geoffrey Hudson, Lord Minimus. Oh, I know. What about him? Yeah, you heard of this guy? No. Really? Oh. No, not oh, well, that's probably lucky because otherwise it would be slightly more boring. So, Geoffrey was born in 1619 in a small village called Oakham in Rutland. Have you ever been there, Phil? I've never been there. It was in the East Midlands. I've been to the East Midlands, and it's very interesting. Leeds is there. Yeah. Don't know what else is there. Boring There's a motorway. In fact, isn't Rutland the smallest county in England? Oh, that's that's not that's not boring. It's, and if it's if it's a non-fact, it might be slightly boring. But I hope it isn't. If you're going to come on along here with loads of non-facts, as long as they're funny non-facts, we can deal with that. It's not know. that I, funny. I don't know it? about being funny. Well, that's it. You know, if if you were let's just have, making let's up set some expectations. Here. Right. Okay. Yeah. If you were just making up that Rutland was the smallest county in England, it wouldn't really be that comic, would it? Really? Because no. Yeah. Right. Because I'd just be lying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, Geoffrey's father was a butcher who kept bull baiting dogs okay. for, for the Duke of Buckingham. So, do you know what bull baiting is? Yeah, it's a savage Neolithic sport. It's not really Neolithic, but you know, um, people with prehistoric disposition who set dogs on bulls, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a bull will be tied by a chain to a stake so it couldn't roam too far, and dogs will try to immobilise it. Completely fair. Yeah, why not? Why not Absolutely, do it? 100%. Fortunately, it was abolished in 1835 following the passing of a new Cruelty to Animals Act. 1835? Mm, I don't know. It's not that long ago. That's quite... No, that's, that's a bit longer ago than I considered that might have happened. Really? Considering oh, okay. you still have, like, you know, bullfighting. That's, that's still going. Yeah, still going strong in Spain. They're like that, don't they, for some reason. Yeah... Mm. All right, anyway, so um, Jeffrey, at the age of nine, he was under half the size of other boys his age. Okay, late developer. So this is a problem, right? He measured only eighteen inches tall, and and he maintained this size until he was thirty. Blimey! So what when he was thirty, he got slightly taller. Slightly, but we'll get into that later. Oh, okay. At the moment, he's only young, right? Okay. Of course, we'll get into that later. Yeah. I'm assuming this is a chronological. It is chronological. Yeah, 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 it's pretty, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, to avoid embarrassment, his father took to telling everybody that the boy's smallness was caused by his wife nearly choking on a gherkin during her pregnancy. Well, of course it's the wife's fault. Obviously. Chauvinist. I, I can't swear on this thing, can you I? You can swear as much as you want, mate. There's no kids there. Chauvinist bastard. What a bastard. What an arse. But I just like it that he, he ascribed it to something as innocuous as choking on a gherkin. Because choking on a gherkin causes, you know, maldevelopment in fetuses, doesn't it? Gherkins can be pretty dangerous. Really? What yeah. danger? What? What? Well, they might turn on one and fall over. You might, uh, you might eat one and it stunt your growth. But I don't think that really happens, Anthony. I just don't think that really well, does. You know, they were weird back then. <laughs> they were weird, but what the gherkins? The people. The and people. The, the people and the gherkins were weird Maybe back they then. Had elements and reactions to gherkins that since have been abolished and were so mundane didn't really need mentioning in medical journals. Once again, I can't prove that that isn't true. What happened in Rutland? You know that. <laughs> in the school of gherkin technology in Rutland. <laughs> It was obvious, though, that he wasn't destined for a life of aggressive animal rearing. <laughs> that sentence on its own is just beautiful. Well, that you is, know, that should be written in a book. 
and published <laughs> on its own as a sentence as an entire story. What's the guy's name again? I've Jeff. Jeffrey. Jeffrey was not destined for an aggressive <laughs> life of animal rearing. I know, a life of aggressive animal rearing. A life of aggressive Yeah, animal. that's it. So is he rearing the animals aggressively or are the animals aggressive? The animals are aggressive, aren't they? Because they're bulldogs. They're, you know, these bull-baiting dogs. Of course. Because his, dad, his dad's raising all these dogs and there's loads of dogs, really scary, big dogs around that are trained to kill. And he's, you know, he's... You know, half a meter tall. Okay, it's going to be a little bit stressful for a young for a young. You player. have to forgive me. I do tend to wander in and out. So don't worry, mate. It's all good. I've got that's why I've got this this sheet here with all the information on it, so that I, I don't get lost that much. So, uh, so at the age of seven, his opportunistic father, who who, if you remember, uh, he the bull baiting dogs that he bred was for the Duke of Buckingham. The wife blamer. Uh, the wife blamer. Yeah. The yeah. yeah the father. The wife blamer. So, uh, this wife-blaming father decided to present his son as a gift to the Duke and Duchess of Buckingham as a rarity of nature, and Geoffrey was invited to join the household as a page. As a page? I thought you were going to say pet. A pet? Well, it's, 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 well, we'll see where we go with the whole pet thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he might not be far off that fairly right. shortly. So, a few months after joining the household, the Duke and Duchess learned that they were to entertain the painfully shy King Charles I mm-hmm. and his young wife Queen Henrietta Maria, as they had been recently married and were doing the rounds. You can rounds. you can hear my air quotes there. Meeting the hoi polloi. Hoi polloi, I don't know that the word. Richies, the Richies. The, oh, okay. the aristocrats that they meant to introduce their uh, fake marriage to. Oh, okay. Because people didn't marriage for love, obviously, in those no, days. No, assume, especially not kings. You know, I mean, I assume that the you know, ceremony took place in Rutland and uh, <laughs> didn't really mean anything. No, no. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm sure King Charles I was married in Rutland to his... I think he was from there, wasn't he? <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, very influential county. Well, the smallest county. Don't you? Uh, well. So... Uh, the Duke and Duchess planned an extravagant banquet with a surprise finale using their new page. So, this big party. The Duchess ordered her servants to hide Geoffrey inside a large pastry cust called a coffin pie. Well, this is going to go really well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, this pie was to be served at the time the party reached its peak and would dazzle a jaded court, especially the homesick 17-year-old French queen. So, when the time came, the pie was placed in front of the king and queen, and Geoffrey burst forth from the pie dressed in a suit of plate armour. I assume that they were all absolutely hammered. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course you've got to be. Well, one would hope so, otherwise it's going to be a boring party. Without you having said the rest of the story, which, you know, I probably should wait to hear before making a comment, but if anyone burst forth from anything wearing a suit of armour at me while I was totally hammered, (laughs) there would be one of two very possible reactions. One would be that I might, given how inebriated I am, shit myself and run away. The other one, I might just punch him full on in the face Mm. and really hurt my hand because he's wearing a visor. Yeah, yeah. All perils of bursting forth in front of Anthony in a suit of armour. Look at that pie. You've ruined a perfectly good crust. (laughs) Can't eat that now. Midget in an armour in it. I can't say midget, can I? A small person. Small person, yeah. Sorry, apologies to any people. I'll shut up. No, no, I, I was just hoping you would keep going then. Oh, really? Uh, well, you know, it's just the... the can't be if, sizes. Well, <laughs> I'm not... So, I'm, I've never been sizes. I'm on record as never being sizes. And I'm now on record as saying the word midget. So you are, yeah. That's it's, not It's good. recorded. I'm not going to edit it I out. Sorry, all right. So, Queen Henrietta was delighted by the stunt and so decided to adopt Geoffrey. The stunt. The stunt. Oh, that should have been, shouldn't it? Oh, oh well, too late. Let's just say it is. Let's just say, yep, that was a pun. Yep. So, 
she's Henrietta. so she's the, she's adopted young Geoffrey. So, in 1626, Geoffrey Hudson, at the age of seven, moved into the Royal Palace at Somerset House in London to join the Royal Court. He's now, done pretty well for himself, he's doing it, Mate, age seven, what kind of social acceleration is that? That's unbelievable. Making up for his lack of growth acceleration. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Good. Accelerating in unexpected directions, our Geoffrey. So, uh, the Royal Court at this time seethed with plots and politics where any misstep could mean disaster and even courtiers schooled from birth walked perilous path. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Uh, So, into this glittering world of excess and intrigue was dropped a lad who had known nothing of life outside his village's shambles. Or his pie. Or his pie. Well, he wasn't in the pie the whole time. I don't think... uh, Yeah, he, he knows stuff about that isn't just in a pie, like bulldogs and... Stuff. I suppose. A lot of yeah. this seems to be quite food related. Yeah. Bulldogs eating balls, gherkins, yeah. Yeah. crusts. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. there is. Yeah. F- well, f- you know what? Food does crop up in quite a few stories because people do eat. Do they? Oh, well, I've, well, I've, I've heard stories. Oh. I've, I've, I've seen it in magazines. Well, let's write that down. <laughs> Not now. Come on, we'll do it. We're busy. So, Geoffrey joined what was known as the Royal Menagerie of Curiosities and Freaks of Nature. See, I, w- I watched this movie, what is it, The Greatest Showman, P.T. Barnum. Yeah. The movie wasn't all that. No. It's it kind of the same sort of thing, that kind of curiosity yeah. circus thing. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. Very similar, yep. Uh, um, our great friends over at The Dollop Podcast have done an episode on P.T. Barnum, and I'd highly recommend you check it out. But um, yeah, the movie that recently came out with Hugh Jackman is not a good representation of what P.T. Barnum was actually like. I didn't think it was. I watched it mainly because... Hugh Jackman was amazing in Les Mis. Let's be fair, Les Mis is a brilliant film. I, you're, you're, you're doing this thing with your face where you don't agree I'm, with me. I'm not. I'm, I'm not, just saying, I'm, I thought that film was brilliant. Okay? I'm glad you enjoyed it. And Thanks it actually got me into to, to musicals a little bit more than I perhaps was before. That's good. What other musicals? Um, well, let's just move on from that. For <laughs> Come on. Oh, um, all right, Mara. Right. I'm just saying, I didn't think that film was all that. I didn't think it was a good reflection of him, but his kind of uh, circus is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, that's it. That's this. what. We, yeah, we've got like. Okay, so in this menagerie okay. was a monkey called Pug. Okay. Two other dwarfs. It says here. I think you can say dwarfs. Is I don't that, think you can say midget. I think you can say dwarfs because dwarf because it's actually knows the answer to this. Then please do yeah, let's complain go. about the podcast for its <laughs> guests. Um, the way that it, it, it spoke about this particular group of people because um, yeah. dwarfism is actually a condition isn't it so you, you, if you can't call people dwarfs they're just they're, they're setting traps for people with the names of these medical conditions it, yeah I suppose so is it a condition if it's just a normal state of being uh, well it's it's not a normal state of being is it because it's it's, it's 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 a condition it's okay. it's like not normal you know if well, actually, I'm not going to start delving into this. I think this is this yeah, this off, angle is is fraught with peril. Yeah. So, uh, two other dwarfs. I'm going to call them dwarfs, and you can complain all you like. So, uh, two other dwarfs: Richard Gibson and his wife Anne, who the Queen had some years earlier forced to get married, because you know you got two dwarfs in your court. You got yeah. a girl dwarf, and a boy dwarf. They got to get married. And a Welsh porter who was so tall he was deemed to be a giant at seven foot seven. Okay, yeah. Which is, you know... It's giantism. Yeah, yeah. And for the time as well, because people were like a good six inches smaller on average at that time in England. Mm. So, uh, our Jeff would become firm friends with the porter, and there are still pubs in England named the, named the Dwarf and Giant for this unlikely pair. Wow. So, 
Unlike the other dwarves in the menagerie, Jeff was unusual in that he was perfectly proportioned. And it was because of this that, be that he became quite famous, being dubbed Lord Minimus, a wonder of the age. So he was, he was just the same measurements yeah. as like a, a someone who is deemed to be a normal-sized human being, yeah. just smaller. Yeah, yeah. Because usually, what, yeah. what's normally the case where you have someone who's got shorter kind of legs and arms. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's why he was so unusual because he was just like he's just a mini person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So life in the royal court went well for Geoffrey. He was known for his charm, intelligence, and skill at entertaining the royals at their guests. However, he did initially have a lot of trouble when it comes to actual the, um, the, you know, like using knives and forks in the right way. So if you've been brought up in a village, etiquette. etiquette that's the word I was looking for. Yes. I did have that written down here, but it's not here anymore. Culinary etiquette. Well, not culinary. It's not cooking. Table manners. Table manners. Posh, yeah. Posh table yeah. Manners. So he was crap at that, but fortunately, okay. he was charming enough that actually it was okay. So, other than bursting out of pies and cakes, which he repeated that act on more than one occasion. Oh, so you obviously didn't get punched then? It was... No, well, you weren't there, were you? So... Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> things are a I... bit of a blur in the head of my existence, but I'm not sure if it goes back quite that far. Uh, so, uh, uh, Jeff was also one of the more popular performers in the court masks during the reign of Charles I. So, you know, court ma you know, masks, you heard yeah. about those? Things you put on your face. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, in terms of a, a party, a mask. Oh, like a masquerade ball Like a masquerade thing. ball thing, yeah. So it's, it's a form of amateur, amateur dramatic entertainment, popular amongst the nobility in the 16th and 17th, 16th and 17th century. Okay. And they consisted of dancing and acting performed by masked players. It's not going to be very difficult to figure out which one is the guy that's 18 inches tall, though, is it? Because it's not like you're going to go, oh, who's the mysterious... Stranger who's smaller than my eight-year-old son. I don't know why they needed to try and give him a mask, unless it was a mask that made him look much taller. So he was the only person of his size and situation within that court. Well, no, there was two other dwarfs in the in the menagerie. As you said, yeah. Okay, yeah, you but, say that. Yeah. But they weren't allowed to do the masks. Well, well they might be. It doesn't say here that they didn't. But because, oh, because it's proportion thing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to work backwards to remember what you said to understand why. That's good. That's good. He, he would be instantly recognisable. But yes, you're correct. So. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey's entertaining was not limited to treading the boards. He had various parlour tricks and routines he would perform at other occasions. One such routine he developed for dinner parties was with the giant, the Welsh porter. And during the meal, the giant would enter in a large overcoat and would reach into his coat pocket for a loaf of bread. He would reach into his other pocket as if to get some cheese and instead would pull out Hudson, who would proceed to make the sandwich. In, in commas, Hudson, if you can imagine the fingers, Hudson being probably a word for something else. That's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hudson. Jeffrey Hudson. Yeah, Jeff. Well, if I was a, a Welsh giant, yeah. I, you know, I was performing and I had to try and be a bit, you know, polite about these things, I'd probably call it my Jeffrey Hudson as well. Oh, oh right. Oh, okay. I see you're making some sort of lewd comment about ex exposing his Hudson. Well, he just said he came out with an overcoat and reached in his pocket for bread and cheese. I just, but instead I... he pulled out his Jeffrey Hudson. Like, uh, it does work actually. That's fine. I don't know that. Yeah, I'm not going to write it down. I'm just but... trying to lower the tone a little. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, this is a little highbrow, isn't it? Well, don't worry. Stuff will come up later. So, uh, so, so other than playing cheese, 
Jeffrey carried on in his experience at court, and after three years, when he was about ten, the Queen became pregnant with her first child. And as she was from France, she wanted a French midwife. So, she sent Geoffrey and some other courtiers to France to fetch one. Because he's perfect for that job, clearly. Oh, well, clearly. Well, she must trust him somehow. This 10-year-old, 18-inch high guy. It's just like, yep, you need to be one of the people that brings back the perfect midwife. So he's 10 at this point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, also, because well, while they're out there, they're going to visit some of the French courts. So okay. he could learn some of the French etiquette and bring some class... And some some good French knowledge back to the to the court. I see. At, at, like an exchange uh, program. Yeah. Of information and ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah. So the trip went well. The uh, they dutifully found a suitable mid- midwife. Visited some of the courts in France, without spectacular incident, as far as I'm told here. And they set off back to England. However, on the way back, they happened across pirates. Oh, those pesky buggers! Damn you, oh, yar! I was hoping there might be Arr. pirates in this story. I like a pirate. Not, not like the modern-day <laughs> Somalian pirates. They're a right. little evil and nasty. Oh, right, okay. Um, not that I've ever met one. But, um, well, at least I don't think I have. I mean, things were a bit blurry last year. <laughs> but um, You never know. A Somalian pirate might have come to visit Brighton one day, where we live, maybe. Brighton, UK. And um, you sure. might have met him. Not sure. I'll, I'll ask the wife, see if she remembers. <laughs> um... But, you know, I like pirates. I right. mean, they're still quite nasty. They're, quite, they're generally quite nasty. They, were, they weren't nice back then, them. either. Let's romanticise them and make them the heroes of everything. And I heard that Johnny Depp got fired from Pirates of the Caribbean, by the way. Really? As a little aside. Oh, OK. Yeah, I was quite happy about that. Really? Why? Well, because apparently he's not a very nice person, is he? Isn't have we, he? Have we gone off topic too much again? No, that's, that's OK. We, no, a size like this, that's acceptable. Because yeah. he was a pirate in a movie that we've seen. Because he wasn't nice enough a person. A ten, there is a tenuous link to current affairs. Really? There. No, let's, oh. just, let's just move on. Oh, okay. So, let's get back to Jeff. Good so, Jeff. on his way back, uh, back across the channel, the pirates boarded the ship, plundered it for its riches, and took all of the courtiers captive. dun dun, dun. Oh, that's excellent dun dun doing there. I like it. So, this group was known as the Dunkirk Pirates. So, they're from Dunkirk? Why? And they're pirates? Probably, yeah. Okay. But they served under the Spanish flag. Of course. Yep. As part of the as part of the eighty year war that was being fought between the Netherlands and Spain. Right. So they're hanging out on the English Channel, you know, just trying to mess with people that are coming around, especially one would imagine people from the Netherlands. So this war must be something to do with their ships because they're not exactly connected by land. <laughs> no. So they must be no, like, not. well, they must have met each other on the water and thought but the Netherlands from somewhere else. The Netherlands, they were they were pretty sh- hot shit back in the day. Around around this time, they had they were like they were getting into India and everything. They were properly they they were empire building with the best of them, like Spain. Yeah. Not like Portugal just went terribly downhill. But you know, Portugal had one of the biggest empires ever, and then they just lost it all for, to the Spanish and the English. Well, that imperialism is very good for your health anyway, isn't it? Really? What's well, right? not for other people's health, but the countries no. that were there originally. No. Oh, well, imperialism could be terrible for health. Take, take gout. Or, you know, if you're there chilling on a beach and an armada comes to take over your country and it kills you, that's pretty bad for your health as well. I was thinking more on the, on the, on the part of the people who are actually enacting the, the plundering and the, and the in, in, empirical drive. I'm thinking how it's bad for them. But it's it not as bad as it is for the people that they're, you slaughtering. know... Slaughtering. Slaughtering, yeah. Okay. So... Uh, fortunately, they were not held for long, as when the pirates, pirates discovered who they had captured and how important they were, 
They promptly set back to England to quickly ransom them off and be on their piratey way. So he might be short, but he's got an international stature. Yeah, absolutely. He's becoming to be renowned. He's actually, because he's already got the, the name Lord Minimus. He's famous at this point because, wow. you know, because people know who a lot of the people are in the court. You know, the court are relatively famous in the capital and stuff. And there's this one little guy who's just running around. Like, who's that? Lord Minimus. Has to be said in a grand voice because otherwise. Do you think he was the inspiration for Austin Powers' character? Oh, we've got some cat situation going on. You done there, Riker? Do you mind? You're interrupting R- my Riker, humor. do you mind? Thanks. Sorry, carry on. Um, uh, the moment's passed. Don't worry, the cat ruined it. Crack on. Oh, Riker, motherfucker. Right, okay, anyway, so now Riker's made me lose my place here. So, all right. So, uh, our Jeff was not put off from trips to the continent, however, and it was shortly after his midwifery adventure that he was invited to witness the breaking of a siege at the Dutch city of Breda. Uh, This was towards the uh, end of the 80-year war, and the Dutch general was doing the siege breaking. The, The Dutch general, the Prince of Orange. Okay. Yeah. So, a siege break. Yep. Are they under siege, and then you stop the siege? No, they, I I would reckon that there's a Dutch city. The Dutch city of Breda yeah. is having its siege broken. So, there's a load of Dutch in there. Oh no! Wait a minute. The Spanish have invaded the Dutch city of Breda. Yeah. And the Dutch forces are overwhelming the defence. Okay. Right, so they've got it all set up. So the Dutch are going to go and take their city back off the Spanish. And they're basically just like, well, we've brought all the shit we need to take the city down. I'm going to break your siege. Break your bloody siege, mate. I don't know, he's not Australian, but that's fine. Um... Uh, and so that would be that would be something to watch, wouldn't it? If you if you got an invitation so. from like a, a general or something and say we're going to come and fuck this city up, we're going to properly mess it up. We're going to break this siege. Do you want to watch? Yeah, I wouldn't say no. If if as long as I paid my expenses, I don't know. I'd be all right. Will there be pie to jump out of? Will there be pie? Well, I'll read on. So the pounding guns and the lofty cavalry left an impression of grandeur, which Geoffrey felt he was certainly destined to reach. So Jeffrey's getting a little bit fighty. Did he become Napoleon? Is this where this is going? Oh, yes, yes. This is, in fact, the origin story of Napoleon. That's not, sorry. Sorry Napoleon to let you down. Napoleon was born in Rutland. <laughs> and because of his humble upbringings, he decided to invade the world. Okay, you keep, going, you keep vamping. Being, I'm going to go get being a Being from the smallest county in England, he decided that he needed more space and therefore went and conquered everyone. Somehow became French. Along the way, um, this Keep is bouncing. this is this is actually a truism. This is this is what the history they don't teach you in school. Uh, alongside other things, they don't teach you in school that they should teach you in school, like how to grow your own food. Why don't they teach you gardening? In school oh, so I thought you were going to come up with a, well. They, they, um, what they don't teach you in school is that you can actually grow your own food on carpet. If you oh sorry no it's not as funny as your vamp sorry no I, 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 think, I, I think I vamped out I'd finished and I was I was I was clutching at straws well to put it that way, I was trying to find something to say and went on to the inefficiencies of the UK education system so by all means please please interrupt me and crack on back in England after this enlightening trip he received a soldier's education within the Queen's household and thus learned to fire a pistol and so ride we are a talking horse talking about schooling yeah 
Yeah, well, he's still he's still really young. He's still growing up in a, in like the royal court. There's all sorts of opportunities for somebody growing up in the royal court. You can either be a kind of a lifelong courtier, yeah. or you know, or yeah, loads of fire a pistol. Could be quite a big tragedy though, because I mean, being famous young is often not the best thing. I mean, Michael Jackson for for one thing, you know. Riker, can you stop fighting that bag? Riker, Riker's having a fight with my bag. Riker right. is the cat because he didn't right. realise yeah. that earlier. Yeah. Regular listeners to the show will have heard of Riker, but right. all right, fine, he's not doing that much damage. Okay, so he learned to fire a pistol and ride a horse. Uh, a few years after came another opportunity for travel. He returned to Holland, but in less favourable circumstances. To... Uh, to... Right, so Hudson's royal patron, King Charles, had ever-worsening relations with the Parliament. The English Civil War was brewing and Charles needed to raise an army. But at this time, he did not have much wealth, so sent his wife to Holland to see if she could, you know, rustle up some support, okay. get some cash going on. His wife being French. His wife being French, yeah. And Geoffrey being her best buddy. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. So this is, we're talking about roundheads and cavaliers here. Yes, this is Civil War. Yeah. yeah. King Charles is, is the, uh, which one is he? I can't remember now. I think he's the roundhead. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Let's go with that. And the Cavaliers are the the other guys. We did cover this in an earlier podcast, but I can't remember. Okay. Uh, okay, so being in the Queen's inner circle, Hudson was, of course, taken along, uh, travelled to The Hague, but as the government was staunchly Protestant, the Queen's Catholic pleas fell on deaf ears. So instead, they made some money to fund her husband's campaign by selling us various personal items and effects from the palace. Oh. It doesn't say which palace it was. I hope it was somebody else's palace because that's the really good way to, well, to make money, isn't you know, it? You just be, sell someone else's if stuff. If they're going to be self-sufficient by taking their property and selling it because they need the money, then maybe that's a lesson that could be learned for the current monarchies when they're spending taxpayers' money to oh, develop Palace. Why don't you sell some of that gold shit that you've got lying around? Right, you've got a lot like of gold not, shit lying around. You're just relying on people who don't have any money to pay for you. Fine, no, no, it's a, it's a valuable part of our establishments. It's very necessary. There is precedent. Pre- there is precedent. So, by the time they returned, England was in the midst of civil war and Charles' royalist forces had been driven back to Oxford, where they would broadly remain until their defeat. Parentheses. So, the Queen joined him there, and upon arrival, Hudson was promptly knighted and bestowed an honorary title of Captain of Horse. So, this guy's military guy now at age what now is he I think he's still young I think he's I think he's still a teenager so he's a bit of a prodigy then he's a bit of a child not he's, child genius he's charming really. he's charming he's getting it done yeah. he's oh, getting it done he's getting out there then? yeah he brought back the midwife and that's that's all they really wanted that's the main thing so uh, he remained part of the royalist force for some months defending the crown and, and whilst his title was mostly given in jest he did take it seriously and was involved in various skirmishes and cavalry raids so it's like here you go you can be called the uh, what was it Captain of Horse Captain of Horse yeah but it's a joke pretty much yeah because so, you not take it too seriously but, he's, but he's, then he took it seriously yeah he was just like no, come on I'm not going to do this no. I can do this shit I can do this yeah no what was it Lord Minimus come on Lord Minimus Captain of Horse it's not a terrible title is it Lord Minimus Captain of Horse <laughs> Bringer of midwives. Yeah, that's pretty good. Brother Victor! <laughs> I will have my vengeance. <laughs> I love that film. Yeah, it's, Even yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, 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 okay. We'll get, we'll get into the John Oliver bit in a minute. I might tell you about that. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, he remained part of the Royalist Force for some months, defending the crown. 
so whilst it's... Oh, no. Oh, no. I already, already said that. So, uh, despite Jeffrey's small contributions to the war effort, uh, the situation for the... There. That's great. <laughs> little pun. Little pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh, I think I just clipped the recording there. Uh, so, uh, uh, despite Jeffrey's contributions to the war effort, the situation for the royalists worsened, and the Queen decided to flee with Jeffrey to France. So that makes sense. That's what Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So at this point, Geoffrey didn't didn't want to be considered a pet or a clown. He had been knighted and made a captain in the army of England. After all, so when a fellow courtier, the brother of William Croft, teased him about his height, he snapped and challenged him to a duel. <laughs> Croft thought this was hilarious yeah. and did not really take the duel seriously, but he agreed. Oh, so he's doing he's, he's doing himself he's, a disservice there. Because if he fights someone Who? but only like half arse because yeah. he thinks he'll just win, yeah. he's going to lose. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. You think about it. Absolutely. Like, like, what's his name in Game of Thrones? All of them. <laughs> well, I'll read on. You're going to like this. Right. So, um, the giving cavalier, Croft, giving like, you know, just being generous. Uh, sorry, quote, the giving cavalier, Croft, took no firearms but merely a huge squirt with which he meant at once to extinguish his small adversary and the power of his weapon. Did they mean a, like a fireman's hose or something? I'm assuming that it's a water pistol. A water pistol. It sounds... It, but it's huge. So maybe a super, oh, a super soaker. soaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Everyone loves super yeah. soakers. Uh, and so continuing. Uh, the vengeful dwarf, however... Managed his good steed with sufficient address to avoid the shower aimed at himself and his loaded pistols, and withal to shoot his laughing adversary dead. They bring a squirt, you bring a gun. You brought a water pistol to a gunfight, mate. To a horse and a gunfight. A horse and a gunfight. This is weird, kind of, kind of, um, like uh, a duel though, because. He's on a he's on a horse because usually I've got a horse. No, well, it doesn't say that he. I'd assume he had a horse. Otherwise, you've got a dwarf on a horse with guns versus a guy with a water pistol, and I don't like those <laughs> yeah, odds. Suddenly, Jeff's not sounding so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not sounding so weak, is it? No. Sounds so, sounds like the right bet in my book. Let's have it. So this caused an outrage, not least because duelling had been outlawed in France, so it was effectively murder. And also, William Croft was William Croft was a powerful figure. Hudson was sentenced to death and imprisoned. However, he's got powerful friends. The Queen had heard about her favourite courtier's antics. That's the English Queen. He was in juvie, right? He's quite young, so I don't know if they had juvie in in eighteenth century France. (laughs) Really? Did they do that? Not probably not for murder, though. But you know, he's a courtier. William Croft's fault. Well, he was. Who was challenged to? Who challenged who to a duel? The little guy, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. It's Joe. Yeah. 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 Fair All right. Okay. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, sorry, mate. Tried to knock you out, but it was hundreds of years ago, so it wouldn't have been effective anyway. Well, well, so he was sentenced to death and imprisoned. However, the Queen, the English Queen, had heard about her favourite courtier's antics and intervened, and so his death sentence was reduced to exile. Exile away from France which isn't where he lives anyway back to England yeah so with that he left France went back to England however on his way home he happened across pirates pirates yeah good old pirates is it the same one uh, no I'm afraid so <coughs> we've got a whole different class of pirate this time different class of pirate oh yeah upper this... class or lower class oh well it's, let's say lower class because I would imagine that upper class pirates are a bit more 
uh, conducive to treating their captors with, you know, respect and not selling them into slavery like the Barbary pirates did. Yeah, yeah. They so were, he they was nasty bastards. He was sold into slavery, basically. Okay. All right. So I've got a note from the uh, the very kind Richard Baker who did the research for this wonderful piece. Uh, this part of his life is undocumented. Uh, however, a slave under the Barbary pirates usually had the same fate. So this next bit is basically what would have happened to him, but nobody was writing anything down. I really down. hope it involves him having to constantly sing shanties 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, and drink grog. Drink We want grog. Rum. Yeah. Well, grog. No, no, grog is just rum and water. Is it? Why yeah. do you put water in it? So, is, so you, you don't go so through There's it so quick. There's more of it. Very, very good point. Flatmate of mine. In fact, the the adjudicator from last week's episode was a fan of grog. Nick Kent n- drinks grog like a pirate, and that's just bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. I did wonder how they did it. It tastes horrible, though. You've it. It's really no. no it's I not good. It's not good. Like rum is hard enough without Coca Cola. Oh, I was a drink it, but you know. Anyway. So. Those who, survived, those who survived the journeys from the channel would be made to walk through town as they were taken to slave auctions. That would have, must have been a funny sight. A load of slaves going through and this little guy. I suppose they just thought he was a, so he the was a kid. So were condoned. They? Condoned. If they, if they were able to abduct people at sea yeah. and then walk them somewhere and then sell them in a market, yeah. Oh yeah. they were condoned. Absolutely, yeah, of course. But you know, you're only a pirate if... A government says you're a pirate, and if there's another guy, government that says you weren't a pirate, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Like, so, what is it? Uh, Sir Francis Drake basically was a licensed pirate. He just went around nicking loads of stuff from the Spanish constantly, and the Queen of England was like brilliant. And the Spanish king would have been like, was it Philip at the time? Would have been like, no, you're a pirate. But she, but the Queen was like, no, you're not a pirate. You're just a profiteer. Here's your license. Yep. Show Absolutely. Show your ID on checking. Absolutely. Nice. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I just thought pirates just existed in the ocean and no one wanted them and everyone hated them. No, 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 no. There was there was lots of piracy. Well, you know, one side calls it piracy and the other side calls it profiteering for the war effort. Oh, you I know. see. So, uh, uh, slaves typically had to stand from eight in the morning until two in the afternoon while buyers viewed them. And then the auction, where the townspeople would bid on the captors as per... The governor of Algiers had the chance to buy any slave he wanted for the price that they were sold at auction, and during the auctions, the slaves would be forced to run up and down to show their strength and stamina. Which, in Jeffrey's case, maybe he could get away with not doing. I think so, because if you're if you're that unique, but the people are just going to think you're a kid, and if you go up to them and say, "Hey, no, wait a minute, I'm actually a grizzled veteran of a couple of jewels," you just need to put them in a pie. Get him to jump out. Like, oh, I want that one. I want that one. I want that oh, one. I'll just use that. Wait, I can't believe it. You did. Oh. It's okay. We'll forgive you. Oh, thanks. Right. Okay. So uh, no ransom was demanded for Hudson. So nobody, either nobody heard about him being taken as a slave, or nobody cared. So and as such, he would have then been sold into servitude. Okay. Maybe the, maybe the war and all that. They're like, we don't really need him anymore. No. No. Because, you know, it's not very fun. And he'll just remind us of things being fun because of his antics. Yeah. So yeah. maybe we don't need him back. Just let him, whatever. Problem dealt with. Done. Right. So there's there's a list of things here that slaves had to do, but it it doesn't sound very nice. I'm not sure. There's, so there's sex slavery and, uh, uh, and buggery and uh, I don't know. So all the usual things that you would expect that 
basically are not nice things that people who are the sort of people who would own slaves would make their slaves do. Well, yeah, yeah. typically. And sort of things that happen now under different names like employment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. And we've all got, we've all got jobs. We've all got like jobs. That. Yeah. Yeah. Got um, just, this is current, current, this podcast, as well as historical. <laughs> this is it. it Learn from history, the, kids. The echoes Learn of history, history reverberate across the centuries. So, um, however, he would probably have been made to do some hard labour, which could have triggered some horth, triggered some growth hormone. Okay. So, he's starting to grow a bit. A bit. A bit. Not, not like great, but a bit. So... With the restoration of the English monarchy after the Civil War, numerous attempts were made to release slaves in Tunisia and Algeria, and Hudson was amongst those rescued, returning to England in 1669. He returned to Oakham, Rutland, place of his birth. Uh, But since he had grown considerably, he could no longer make much of a living as a curiosity, since now he looked like a very short man. Ah. Yeah, instead of of a woodland sprite. It's a bit like that kid who sang the snowman. Getting a you know proper voice. Yeah. yeah. If only if only we could straighten him, everything would be fine. <laughs> You've heard of the castrati, haven't you? The castrati. Um, I'm quite pleased to say that I haven't. Uh, I can assume what they do. Sound like a lovely bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Friends well, of the pirates, obviously. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're um, not you're not allowed to make castrati anymore. But basically, what it was, they cut your nuts off before they dropped. If you were a particularly good singer. You know, like that kid who sang the snowman. Yeah. They cut your nuts off and they'd never drop. Alan Jones. Well done. Don't worry, Alan, we're not going to cut your nuts off. It's too late now it's anyway, Alan. Yeah. But, but the thing is, you'd end up as an adult because your voice wouldn't break properly, but you'd still be able to reach those high, pure notes of the choir boy, but you'd still be able to get relatively, relatively low. Right. So you had this incredible range. Right. So there, there is one or two recordings of castrati which exist. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. There you go. There we go. There we go. N- little nugget of history for you there. Nugget oh, tears. I see what you did there. Because hey. that, that, that's the hey. name of the podcast. Hey, isn't it? It's, it's what it's so called. You referenced it when giving a piece of information. <laughs> oh, geez, I cracked oh, myself up. That's great. All right. So, uh, so he wouldn't have uh, wanted to give his self-respect and accomplishments. Oh no. We're talking about Alan Jones still. Oh yeah, so he, he couldn't he couldn't no no oh no not anymore no. <laughs> For the okay. record, I love the Snowman. Oh mate, brilliant. oh big fan. Oh pretty, oh no, I do love that. It's, it is really good. They made a sequel, didn't they? I think so. I know. I, I've I've I never watched it because I know I'm going dis- to be disappointed. Oh. Yeah, it's not like the Godfather Part Two. That was pretty good. Anyway, so uh, so he didn't basically he didn't want to make a living as a curiosity anymore because he was. He'd won duels. He'd been a slave. He was an. He was. He's basically an adult now. He's kind of. He's yeah. getting into his twenties yeah, now. Yeah. So he's he's he wants to do something that's actually worth his doing. His CV's pretty good by this. It, point. Oh yeah, mate. Yeah. Once again, from nothing, this guy's come up. You know. He could get a job in, you know. Yeah. Or something. Little. <laughs> he could get a job in Lidl if he waited 150 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Any relevant skills. He received a small token pension from the Duke of Buckingham, son of his first ba- son of his original first benefactor, and he also received a little bit of pension from Charles II for some reason. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff's misfortune was not over. His return to England was coincident with anti-Catholic hysteria attendant upon the plot of Titus Oates. I don't know what that is. Anti-Catholic hysteria. Yeah. 
Yeah, mad, isn't it? Who would have thought that anyone would, be, would get hysterical about some religious oh, group? Really? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's a shame. I wouldn't have expected people that in our day and age. People get hysterical about a lot of things they don't agree with. They do. You know, they do. Especially if one of those things is, you know, a cult of essentially murdering bastards who yeah. are using the spiritual name of a supreme deity for its own means. I, sorry, I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I thought this was a topical podcast. But well, you know, I'm, I haven't got my finger on the pulse of every single bit of hu- uh, human interaction. There are some, some parts of life I just, I just don't pay attention to so I don't okay. have to worry about it right so let's put it this way God good church not okay cool that's what I'm saying alright okay I'll write that down maybe possibly oh okay who knows so uh, Titus Oates had been born in Hudson's native town of Oakham Rutland again Rutland again nice yep so another Rutland native Titus Oates did you know that Rutland is the smallest county in England you know what I hadn't heard that in the last 15 minutes. I thought that'd be funnier. Sorry. <laughs> I laughed, but on the inside. It's, it's, I, ca- I can't laugh too much, otherwise you know, the podcast gets a bit boring. It's a bit laughy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Titus Oates, who had been born in Hudson's native town, on a trip to London in 1676, being a Catholic man of some renown, Jeff was thrown in the gatehouse prison for the crime of being a Roman Catholic. Spelt with a K here. And he was held there for four years. So basically, Titus Oates dobbed him in and he was locked up for four years because so, he was Catholic. So Roman Catholicism was a crime as a denomination. Were they, uh, were in they, certain parts of the UK, yeah. Who were they at this point? Were they Anglo- what, what's the other one? I've forgotten. The Henry the Anglican. Anglican. Is the Henry the Anglican. Church of England. Is, yeah. yeah, Church of England. So they'll be Church of England. This is after Henry VIII. Yeah, so yeah. therefore this, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Henry VIII is like 16, early 16, 1620 yeah. or something like that. Okay. But yeah, it was all going... Crazy, because because um, Henry VIII came first and did the and and well, it was at the time of the Reformation, obviously, because you've got all, you know, Martin Luther banging his notes on yeah. stuff, and that kind of came across the channel. So it's basically like the Red Dwarf thing, where they've got the same religion, they're just arguing about what colour hat they wear. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Except of, there was a lot of murder, and um, yeah. Well, if you remember, there was in Red Dwarf. Yeah. Oh, of course, story, all the cats killed each oh, other. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fushal was the name Fushal. of the planet they were trying to reach. Yes. Just to let you know, I do know my Red Dwarf history, if not my English history. So, after his eventual eventual release, he fell into poverty and died. About two years later, on an unknown date, in unknown circumstances, buried in an unmarked Catholic pauper's grave. So uh, really, you can't be sure that he did actually die. Maybe he's one of those people that just disappeared he could have been maybe he's still alive maybe he's still alive I can't prove it's not true again problems with me proving things that aren't true alright okay so 64 though so he must there's he must have got up to some good stuff he must have like hung out in Oak in, in Oakham and Rutland and 64 he was 64 when he died wow so I think maybe like during this whole thing he's actually been oh no he was a slave for 25 years so that's a big chunk right there. Is that where they got the title of that movie from? 25 Years a Slave? Yeah. No, because that the Just movie's... the title, not the story. Well, the movie's the actually, not about this. Well, the movie's actually called 12 Years a Slave. Oh, I got it wrong. So oh, if... I, I'm pretty sure they didn't get the title f- from the bit where it says... I thought it was 25 Years a Slave, but maybe 25 that was years a slave, taking what you And actually said, calling it 
12 years a slave. Right, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Well, it's def- it's, it's, there isn't very far to move now because he's dead. He's died at the age of 64. But we've got some another little fact about Rutland. Um, it, yeah, Rutland, the county, you heard of this. The county in which Geoffrey was born has the motto, Molto and Parvo, much in little. Ah, uh, there we go. Because huh? of him or... I, I'm going to assume so. I'm going to I'm going to assume that it is is because of him, because otherwise the narrative is really pretty lacking. Yeah. Otherwise, much in little means not a lot, because you can't actually get that much in little. Say you've got a little pot, you can't put very much in that little pot, is it? It doesn't really make sense. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the uh, origin of the phrase. It's the little things in life. Yeah. Uh, what about them? What about the little things? Well, the, the things that give you the most happiness. Oh, they? all right. Sorry, that like, is like our Jeffrey did for the French. Queen. Right, okay, because I didn't know that it would necessarily be the little things in life gives you the most happiness. Because frankly, you know, often the little things in life are the things which are more disappointing. I, I thought that was the phrase. I what, the things know. in life, m- much in little things is more know. disappointing? I don't know, I'm tired oh. now, Phil. I'm getting t- to the end of it. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm taking up your time Try, no, sorry it's perhaps fitting that he was born there since it is also England's smallest county says that here I told you you did say that you did say that you're right you're right Brilliant. oh I ruined the punchline alright so as mentioned Hudson was not actually a dwarf he was born perfectly formed with none of the health, health issues of uh, of other dwarfs he just failed to grow normally and this was most likely due to a pituitary grant a pituitary condition in which his body failed to produce growth hormones these days he would have been treated with hormone replacement therapy and would probably have grown to a nearly normal height wow there we go and that is the story of jeffrey hudson what a ledge mate i think he did very well i think he did very well indeed young age yeah as well yeah Yeah. this is it he was charming enough to survive in court which is hard enough to do as a 10 year old you know you've got all these courtiers mocking you for picking up the wrong fork and such yeah. So, I think you did very well. Stuffy bastard. Stuffy fucking cunts. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess that just leaves me to say thank you very much to my good friend Anthony. Thank you very much for joining us. I think it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, good times. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry for the delay in getting this last episode out. We've had some problems with people, um, some sad times. Um, so, we'd like to extend our considerations to people who have been having sad times. You know who you are. Um, what else is going on? I don't think we've got much else to say, but look out soon for the next episode of The Nugget. Cheers. <laughs>